Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we wrap up an exciting Solheim Cup and talk about Joaquin Neiman's breakthrough victory on the PGA Tour. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. Well, why do they even have one if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, custom? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome back to the Golf Digest podcast. I'm Alex Myers. Today I'm joined in studio by Steve Hennessy. Uh, we are going to be joined later by Keely Levins, who was our intrepid reporter on the ground at Glen Eagles in Scotland for that thrilling Solheim Cup victory by Team Europe. Uh, incredible dramatics there by Suzanne Pedersen in particular, but uh, just a very tight match throughout obviously uh europe able to take the solheim cup back from the u.s uh, a lot to talk about with keely who was there who saw it all but uh, until we get caught up with her she's traveling right now we are going to talk talk about the pga tour first steve obviously uh, we have a new winner joaquin neiman this is kind of the time of year when you see guys pick up that first win you see you know, he's not a rookie, obviously, but the rookies and the guys who just came from the Corn Ferry Tour and other guys. I mean, this is this is where, you know, you you have a chance to make a big move. And obviously, we've been thinking this guy is going to break through. I mean, he's, he's not even 21 yet, but uh, how impressive was his win? Yeah, so impressive the way he did it, too, uh, down the stretch. I think he had six birdies in his last, you know, 10 holes or so, um, one by six. And just when you think about where he's been the last couple of years, he struggled at the beginning of last season. Yeah. Um, it looked like he was going to lose his card even, yep. and then turns it on in the summer. Um, has a couple of really strong finishes, which is why you could kind of see this coming. And his pedigree is pretty much equal to these other young, talented guys. Matthew Wolf, who won earlier or last season, uh, Colin Morikawa. You know, Joaquin Neiman was world number one amateur. Right. He's only 20 years old, um, joins Rory McIlroy and Seve Ballesteros as the only non-Americans to win before age 21. Crazy. In, their, in, in a modern era. Yeah. Right, in the I modern think it's like era. 95 years or something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's all these lofty, it's really lofty company that he's joining. And uh, his swing is so smooth, silky. You know, it's just all the talent in the world. I mean, the same thing with all these guys. But you're right. This part of the PGA Tour season, you know, the fields are a little weaker, so you could see how someone breaks through like that. But I mean, so impressive to see him win by six. six so shots. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not only that he wins, but he wins by six shots. He has that closing birdie at the end. Uh, he was so emotional afterwards. I mean, right. you see, you see guys get emotional obviously when they win the first tour event. Um, but it's usually. Uh, you really see them get that emotional. They're 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 an older player, like a journeyman who right. hasn't doesn't know if it's going to happen again. This kid knows he's going to win at some point, and you see him just lose it. I mean, I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Steve, you mentioned he was struggling last year. Um, I believe he was 141st on the FedEx Cup list going into the Travelers Championship, mm-hmm. our our kind of home game right. near near us here. I finished T5 there. The following week, T5 at Rocket Mortgage Classic, and then he never really looked back from then. He had, um, he added a T10 at the John Deere, T13 at the Wyndham, and, you know, only missed one cut the rest of the way. So that that he obviously easily wrapped up his card there. He didn't, you know, he didn't make it to the Tour Championship, but uh, finished his season at the BMW. But 
I'd be stunned now if he doesn't make it to the Tour Championship this year. And again, he doesn't turn 21 till November 7th. So this is one of the young guns. You mentioned that stat, a couple great stats. Obviously, the, the Rory and Seve stat. But then this other stat that came up um, with Matthew Wolf winning his first event under 20 when he was under 21. This is the first time in the same year. Now, again, for this stat, they're using the same year, even though it's a different season, right, which technically. Makes it a little awkward. But right. Yeah. But in first time in the same year that two guys won a PJ Tour event who were under the age of 21. First time multiple under 21s have won since 1931. Wow. Which is kind of random. And I was wondering, did, did they call, did golf riders back then refer to those guys as the young guns back then? <laughs> <laughs> as we do with all these guys. Right. All the hyperbole. Uh, right. All, exactly. But uh, just a, a crazy stat there. Uh, he did it this week. He was 13th in strokes gained approach. He was first in strokes gained putting. Pretty decent uh, combination there. Pretty lethal. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. I'm amazed Steve didn't toot his own horn there. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta give him some credit here, Steve, who you know kind of chaperones our big uh, betting preview every week. He writes it. He he compiles from our, our list of pickers. You could let's tell everybody who it, where it comes from again. But I'm getting to Steve. One of the guys that everybody was picking was Joaquin Neiman, including yourself. He was the editor's pick, right? He was not. No, he's not. Okay, well, well he but, was your editor's pick because you actually put some yeah, money on him. I put one bet in before one, the tournament started, boom. and it was Joaquin Neiman. And you won that bet. And that was because, you know, I'm not going to toot yeah. my own horn. But you should toot it. You, well, you, you, don't, wanna, you don't hit that many winners throughout a year. I mean, you know, it's tough to hit a winner. Right. But I want to tout, you know, four of our experts. Yes. So out of the six, out of six expert pickers, they all picked Joaquin Neiman. Unreal. That, that's how good the stats looked for him going into this week. So... Um, you know, I got him at 28 to one. That was the DraftKings number. He was 22 to one on most books. Um, so this was the start of the season. Mm -hmm. You know, we hit on the first event. So, I mean, sky's the limit. Uh, pretty good start. One person tweeted at us. They they put 200 bucks on it. So he won, uh, 3,600. Damn. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice start to the season in the fall when, you know, not as many people are probably paying attention to clean up like that. It's funny because that's what we were talking about last week, how, you know, can you get really excited for these events? Right. But if you're a gambler, it's the same as the Masters, <laughs> we, really. We I mean, talked you, about it last week. I was like, come exactly, on, guys, let's go. I know, and, and we, we I should have followed your lead. And, <laughs> I mean, our buddy Chris Powers didn't bet on him, mm. so that was even more reason to bet on him. I don't know. I can't right. believe four. I saw that. I saw the, the, uh, the graphic come out where four of our guys picked him. You know, so t- who, who are the guys who picked him or, or – you know, it's yeah. a DraftKings guy. It's a so our panel is uh, Pat Mayo from DraftKings, who's probably the most notable uh, golf handicapper yeah. in the game. He contributes his picks every week. Uh, you know, including his podcast on his own channel. Um, then uh, FanDuel's expert uh, Brandon Gadula, um, also part of Number Fire, he picked him also. Um, and Lou Riccio, our uh, Columbia professor, who. Uh, has a model and looks at all the stats, and his model has pointed to the last couple months, Joaquin Neiman being one of his top picks. Wow. And, um, even according to his model, his projected odds for Neiman this week, not to get into the full nitty-gritty, yeah. but was 12 to 1, so way lower than you know the value of 22 to 1. Still uh, you know, decided to go with him, and you know, obviously it was a great pick, and uh, – also, FanShare Sports' expert also went with Neiman. So wow. four, four of That's our crazy. seven experts uh, went with Neiman, and 
you know, that's a great start to uh, the season. And, you know, you can look for all of our expert picks at golfdigest.com the rest of the season. So. And to toot my own horn, but again, this felt, it's almost like cheating putting him on this list, but I did my sleepers list and he was on the sleepers list, Boom. which, you know, and again, there's different definitions of sleepers, but you know, he's 20 years old. He hasn't really, you know, he hasn't made it. I think the criteria was under 30. hasn't made the tour championship. Hasn't won a PGA tour or European tour event. So, I mean, he's played in less than 25. Yeah, PGA tour ex- events. exactly. He's yeah. So, a sleeper. so he's, so he already wins. So we're one for one with that list. The, the difference being, I didn't win any money like you, Steve, but uh, you know, good for you. It's time the rest of the season. Yeah, Check our there, I, column. Man, I got the rest of the fall. Got to get on board. That's uh, great. Uh, one guy who didn't win but had a really nice week. Um, actually, he had a really interesting week. But no matter what, it was a great week. It was his first event since uh, in about a year. He'd got, undergone microdisectomy on his back, which is the same surgery Tiger had done three times before he had the back fusion. I'm talking about Kevin Chappell. Uh, you know, great to see him back. Not only back, but firing a little 59. 59. In his first event back. First event back. It's exactly. Um, nine birdies in a row. Nine birdies in a row, which ties Mark Kalkovecchia's record, I believe, from the Canadian Open. At mm-hmm. some, I remember doing some streak yep. post once. Yeah. Which, I mean, nine birdies in a row. Can you imagine? In a PGA Tour in event. In a PGA Tour like event. If one of us right. did that, it'd be like the greatest life accomplishment I mean, ever. It's, it's unfathomable. Yeah. It's, uh, now, unfortunately, the... Around that 59, you had a 71, 59, 73, 72. So he managed to finish T47 with a 59. I'm pretty sure that's the worst anyone's ever <laughs> might be a finished with shooting a 59. Oh, poor chap. Um, he, he especially considering he's only the 11th uh, time, not 11th player, 10th player, 11th time, because right. Jim Furyk's done it twice, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. 58. And, and Kevin Chappell could have been Mr. 57. You yeah. had the birdie the last couple. You had he some cracks. Part of the last two. And right. he had a funny story how he always changes his ball out uh-huh. after he makes a birdie. So okay. he actually ran out of <laughs> golf balls. He made so many birdies. That's amazing. So he had to put a ball back in play right. for the last two holes and didn't make a birdie because he had a you know yeah. ball with bad mojo. In bad it. mojo. Yeah. That's jink. A jinxed it. Isn't that incredible? That's, that's crazy. So yeah. he needs to bring – so how many birdies did he make? He made 11. Yeah, he made 11. Yeah, no bogeys. So he needs to have 12 balls in the bag at least. Now he does. You need to be 18 balls. What if you birdie yeah. every hole? Shoot 54. Come on. You never know. Oh, man. But that incredible job by, by Kevin Chappell. Yeah, so good, good to see. Good to see him back. Obviously a very good player. Um, almost won the tour championship a couple years ago. Made the President's right. Cup team. Mm-hmm. Um, is a winner on tour. Bunch of runner-ups, including at the players. He had that stretch. He was that guy who... Kept fin- he was like Kevin Kisner. He kept finishing runner-up, right. runner-up. That's a good comparison. Fi- yeah, Kisner. and he finally kind of broke through, but then he got injured. So now you mm-hmm. kind of get your career set back. He's still pretty young, though, so yeah. um, good to see him back. I want to also talk about, Steve, the new cut rule, which on the surface doesn't seem like that big of a deal. They, the, the PGA Tour has changed. Well, they changed two things, really. They, they went from, in a regular tour event, T70, so top 70 and ties making it. They now cut it to top 65 and ties. So you're thinking, all right, well, that's five players, but not so fast. Because obviously when you get down the board, you have guys, a lot of guys tied for something. So mm-hmm. the way it broke down this week was uh, 21 people were tied for 48th. They made the cut on the number. 
the next 16 guys were T69. They would have made it previously. Right. They didn't make it. Right. So that's 16 guys. So you're thinking, oh, it's five. 16 guys didn't make it. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty, that's, it's interesting. That's a paycheck that huge. They, yeah. you know, lose. It wouldn't be a big amount of money. Usually that last place gets like, what, like $15,000 yeah, or something yeah. like that. So for, you know, guys who. Just are, to cover your expenses and, and, right. and, and more. I mean, mm-hmm. again, it's more critical on the, the lower tours, but. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of players, you know that that makes a difference. You know, for the tour veterans who've been around and you know who make a lot of money, that's right. Doesn't necessarily make make or break their week, but for a lot of these guys, it would have. I mean, yeah, uh, Tyler Duncan, some, yep. you know some yep. of these names, uh, Chase Seifert. Yep. Um, so it already had a huge effect, and this is the first event. Right. It was in effect. Now the second part of the rule is there's no more made cut. Made the cut, did not qualify right. for Sunday. So there's no the secondary cut. cut. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you make it, you get to play Saturday and Sunday. It used to be, you know, if, if I forgot, if like 80 or more guys made the cut, then they would slice it mm-hmm. one more time. And so the the guys who didn't make it to Sunday all finished tied for whatever. They got credit for making the cut. They got the last place paycheck. Right. But they didn't have that opportunity to move up the board on Sunday. And so some people didn't like that either. They said, well, if it's that big a deal, you know, let's just have fewer people make the cut. Mm-hmm. And so... They kind of agreed to this, and you know, let's be honest, this all kind of feeds into the pace of play and everything right. else, and you know, clogging up a golf course for that long on, yeah. on the weekend. There's some interesting comments after yeah. around Friday, and you know, that was a big argument, the pace of play yeah. thing. But how big, you know, how slow are these like first groups out on a Saturday, Sunday, really? Like, I don't think those right, those aren't are, the guys holding it up, right, right. So, you know, that argument kind of yeah. doesn't feel so strong to me. Um, and then you look at the people it's affecting mostly. It's the guys who probably need the money. Right. So I could see how this is a pretty divisive right. issue within the tour ranks. And, and you know, I, I know that it's also because if, if there are any weather delays and this or that, but, like, you know, you could always just move the tee times up yeah, really early tees. and split tees. I mean, and, and you end up do that anyway. Yeah. So anyway, it doesn't seem like it was a big deal, but. But it was a big deal. You know, I w- also, back to the, the sleepers thing, because what I was going to say, though, is if you do make the cut, I think it was three under didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. And I think those guys would have only been, quote, only been like nine shots back one in the weekend. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's, it's it doable. Before. Yeah, exactly. So, you I know. I think Smiley Kaufman, yeah. when he won in Vegas, yeah. he made the cut on the number and then exactly. went on to win. So. You see maybe once a year a guy who right. makes the cut on the number or or by one you know, kind of make a, or at least make a run. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember even Tiger at the players last year, I think he made the cut on the number and then, you know, Webb Simpson ended up running away, but Tiger right, but was, the, jumped Tiger up was up to second place at one point. Yeah. Right. So um, it does make a big difference. I was going to go back to the, the sleepers thing going into the weekend. I mean, I was so stoked. My, my pick to win Scotty Scheffler was tied it's right, right there. Mm-hmm. And then I had Joaquin Neiman, one of my sleepers and then Robbie Shelton, the other one of my, that's right. I, and I had, um, I think I had well Hovland's the favorite for rookie of the year. I think we all agree on that. And he finished T ten. Um, Another well, Sunday sixty four. Right, right. Incredible. Uh T ten for him. And but uh, other than that, I think the the if you're handicapping that race, it's probably Scheffler and then Shelton as the next two guys. And so mm-hmm. to see them all up there was a uh, pretty good start. Pretty good oh, start yeah. for the sleepers. Um a guy who obviously has been very established for a long time. Just want to mention briefly Sergio Garcia winning his 16th European Tour title at the KLM Open, and you know, frankly, it was good to see him in the news for something other than 
chopping up a course or throwing a club at his caddy. Kucher. Right. Or fighting with Kucher yeah. in a match play. I mean, I don't know. It was it was kind of weird. Like and then he's seeing him win and he's got his daughter there. I was like, right. oh there, you know, there we go. Yeah. So good. It's it's nice to see for yeah. Sergio for his <laughs> golf game, not not the off the course stuff. Yeah. It's been a tough year for it's been him. Been a tough year. Yeah. yeah. But he, he ends up winning. He's still hanging around there in the top thirty, I believe, of the world ranking. Um and 16 European Tour wins is oh, yeah. pretty stout to go along with, I think, like 10 PGA Tour wins. I mm-hmm. mean, that's, that's pretty solid. Yeah. And obviously a green jacket. That's right. Um, all right. So, yeah, anyway, let, we're, we're going to bring in Keeley Levins uh, to talk about the Solheim Cup, which obviously dominated the news. We, but we wanted to get, you know, talk to someone who was actually there, experience that incredible finish at Glen Eagles. So um, here's our chat with Keely Levins, back from Scotland. I'm a little out of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the Uber right now, so if you get any extra audio, that is courtesy of New York. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, well, obviously, you saw a pretty incredible Solheim Cup, one of the best ever, one, one of the best, uh, most exciting finishes in any golf event in recent history, obviously. Uh, with Europe prevailing 14 and a half, 13 and a half, Suzanne Pedersen, the big birdie putt to win. Um, and it, it's such a crazy event because obviously if she misses that putt, they, they tie, but they lose and, right. and she makes it. Um, I guess in the moment, you know, she claims she didn't know that she was putting for the win, but what do you think about that? And kind of what was everybody else thinking uh, in that moment? So, uh, after Marina had missed her putt, um, Suzanne was like taking some practice strokes and we heard this huge roar and like, I didn't have a view of the giant TV screen that mm-hmm. was by 18, but that screen like updated with Bronte winning her match. Gotcha. So like a lot of people around the green knew, and you could kind of guess like from, the size of the roar that that was probably a win um but yeah so 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 suzanne said afterwards that like she didn't know that that putt was actually for the win she thought that bronchi was like in the fairway behind her okay um which like i guess like you know someone says something you want to believe them but like her celebration was so huge yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly like, i don't like she knew she said she knew it was very important um because their captain had come up to her on the tee and was just like, it's really close. Like we need this. Then she was just kind of like, I got it. Cause she's Suzanne Patterson. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, maybe she didn't really know that, um, it was for the outright win, but she definitely knew that there was a lot of gravity behind that putt. And I don't really know who else you would want with the putter in their hand on team Europe than her in that moment. It was pretty unbelievable. Sure. Uh, the atmosphere looked incredible, obviously. Uh, I was there at Glen Eagles in 2014 for the Ryder Cup, and it was amazing, especially because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but they bring yeah. in so, you know, th- that course, the way it sets up for a spectator, for the spectators, you can, you know, you can have these huge crowds, and I know they, they build, obviously, the huge grandstands around the first tee, and, and that whole scene was awesome. What was, you know, the atmosphere like that final day, especially with, you know, it being so tight going into that final day? Well, it was, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was amazing. There were so many people out there 
and all the fans get a ton of credit for how many of them came out on Saturday as well, because mm-hmm. that was quite possibly the worst weather I've ever seen mm. on a golf course. Right. <laughs> um, but they were all out there, just like loving it. Um, you would have flown home. Yes, so I would have been. I would have been out. Yeah. <laughs> out. <laughs> um, but no, it was like it was. It was such like a frenzy because there was so much happening, and everyone's updating their phones and like trying to figure out where it's going to end. So everyone's kind of like bouncing around between holes, trying to choose their group, and then it gets down so close that like you just have to kind of like make your choice. And thank God I chose Susanna Marina, and like. <laughs> There were so many people, like, it was nuts. And then when they opened up, like, the fairway to let all of the spectators, like, rush the green, it was, it was pandemonium. It was amazing. There were so many grounds crew people just, like, trying to get people off the green. They're like, please don't step on the green. And, like, <laughs> trying to get people, but people are just, like, swarming. Right. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I just kind of assumed that you were there for the putt. Uh, and it's, that's not how it works, obviously, especially when you're covering right. any tournament, but you know, it, it wasn't so neat that, oh, everything else finished and you had time to get, but you were there for the putt. That's yeah. You, you had good, uh, good choice there. Um, you know, obviously then she retires right after pretty much on the <laughs> yeah. spot, which was pretty was, incredible. Was I mean, insane. yeah, the, the ultimate mic drop, everyone is saying, uh, was there any, you know, I, I know. You know, there was all the, the controversy about her being even being a pick, ranked 620th in the world, having only played, I think you said, two two, two times events. and missing yeah. the cut both times in the last two years. Um, what, was there any feeling that this might be her final event or or did people think this was kind of going to rejuvenate her career? I mean, was that was that a total surprise when she announced her retirement? It was a total surprise. Okay. Um, but I think that like after all of the dust kind of settled and like you took a step away from it and looked at everything that had happened, like it kind of made a lot of sense. Right. Um, that, you know, maybe she was looking at this as the end and she was, she was like, you know, she didn't really talk about if it was her plan from the beginning or not. She was kind of like, yeah, like I would have seen how it went, you right, know, right. But like seeing as it went so perfectly. Um, yeah, she was, she was really, funny and interesting in the press conference just like she's just like i'm done like i don't know what i'm doing tomorrow but i know i'm done <laughs> yeah she's like I'm, I'm shutting it down or whatever and then it's yeah. funny because that's what i say after every round i'm like i'm done i'm shutting it down for the for the season <laughs> for my career down. shut it Good down night. closing up shop but no she i mean you know we'll have to see if she really means it or not obviously she's 38 she's a mom um but she's such a fiery competitor and obviously oh God, she yeah. still has the game. And, you know, I, I, I was doing something else on, on kind of athletes riding off into the sunset and sometimes they come back and they mm-hmm. can't stay away. So, I mean, we'll have to see if she gets that itch, what, what she does. But I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's just so perfect. Uh, you almost hope that she does stay away just to, to make it this perfect story, perfect ending. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I tend to believe her when she says that she's done just mm-hmm. because she, she did take almost a full two years away from golf. Right. Um, when she went on maternity leave, um, to have her son and, you know, two years without competitive golf, like she knows what the day to day looks like now. Like she knows what it feels like to not be a professional golfer. 
and clearly she's like happy with the, with that option and comfortable with it and right. wants it. Um, if if she had just like retired out of nowhere, it would be kind of like okay, like let's see, because that that's a really hard transition for professional athletes. Right. Obviously, it's a complete lifestyle change. No, that's a great point. So she's kind of already gone through that um, in a way. So she she knows mm-hmm. what to expect, right? Those other guys, they say they're they're done or, or women, and then they have that first day where they're like, now what do I do? So, yeah, they're like, yeah. wait, I'm, I don't have to be in the gym for three hours. Right. I'm at the course for four hours. And, right. like, I don't have to, like, you know, prepare my meals specifically for the workout. Like, right. But, but, yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, obviously, she goes two and one. She wins two points. But she wasn't the only hero for Team Europe who pulls off this upset. I know you did a piece on Georgia Hall and Celine Boutier, who both went undefeated uh, incredible performance obviously they were paired together they won won their matches together and then they win um, their singles matches so they they combined for five points even though they both went four and0 oh. um, you know talk about the performance of, of those two women yeah first I would just like you to tell everyone where Selena oh, I knew you were, I know I didn't I almost <laughs> didn't ask you about her I was gonna be like let's talk about Georgia Hall <laughs> Yes, she's a Duke graduate. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Good yeah. for her. Just another blue devil showing up in the clutch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, they were they're really interesting pairing um, because, well, Celine was an unknown. Uh, she was a rookie on the European team. She was a captain's pick. Um, and she, she and Georgia have really similar temperaments. Like, they're very, like, even-keeled. Um, they're pretty quiet. Um, and so the two of them just like methodically destroyed everyone. <laughs> it mm. was it was really cool to watch. Um, like even like they, not all of their matches were super easy either. Like they came back from being four down through seven um, in Saturday afternoon four balls. Um, their games just worked really well together. Uh, Celine's not super long off the tee, and Georgia has a great long iron game, so that worked. And then Celine was making some unbelievable putts out there. And then I wasn't really sure what was going to happen in singles mm-hmm. because usually, like sometimes when you get like this awesome pairing and you start relying on your partner so much, it can be really disarming when you suddenly don't have a partner anymore. Right. Uh, but obviously that did not affect them and they both um yeah they played really well and celine by winning four points becomes the like winningest solheim cup rookie ever which is pretty cool wow do they have any you know obviously at the Ryder cup we had mollywood with uh, francesca molinari and uh, tommy flew is there any kind of <laughs> name for these two this pairing this dynamic duo I feel so stupid that I didn't even think of. I, I just thought of it well. too. I sh- I'm going to work on it now for the for the grind tomorrow. I have to come up with something. Yeah, you should come up with something, yeah. and then we should get some videos going. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about the U.S. side. Uh, disappointed, obviously, they were pretty big favorites, right, coming into this mm-hmm. event, as as is usually the case in these team events. Um, and and as we know, it comes down to three days and. You know, it's tough to really be that big a favorite. But they were, on paper, they were the favorites. Um, I, we'll start with Lexi Thompson because, of course, she's the highest-ranked American, and she went 0-4. And, you know, I know she had a little back issue uh, at least the final day. Yeah, I know that, that day was weird. Right. Um, 
Well, I was going like, to say, I was going to say, I know sometimes yeah. it's not always the person's fault. Like Tiger went 0 and fourth the Ryder Cup last year. He was he didn't play terribly, but sometimes it's just the matchups or your partner or this or that. Like, how was Lexi? What grade would you give her for the week? I mean, did she deserve to go 0 and four? If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, hmm, a grade. I don't. I don't think she deserved to go 0 and four. Okay. I think. I think that Sunday is kind of. You almost can't really look at it through the lens of like a Lexi match um, because she had that freak back situation right. um, that she's never had before, and like you know she lost the match and then immediately went to physical therapy like she was she was kind of messed up physically for that match so i don't think you can really talk too much about that one that's too bad Um, and then i don't i don't know i think it's also hard to put like a ton of pressure on players um in match play off of their world ranking right it's just it doesn't translate it's just um and she has played, I think, every team Solheim Cup match she's ever played with Christy Kerr. Um, and Christy Kerr did not make the team this year. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was also, you know, something to adjust to. I think that they had a really good thing going. And, you know, Lexi had obviously, like, a fantastic attitude. And she worked a lot with Julie on, like, who she wanted to be paired with. Right. Um and I think, you know, they, she didn't have that kind of, like, magic connection that she's had with Christy. And, you know, it just fell flat this week. Right. And Julie was saying in the press conference um, last night, she was just like, you know what? Like, sometimes you just have a bad week of golf. And right. it sucks. <laughs> so I think it was just an off week for Lexi. And it was clearly, you know, poorly timed. Yes. Um, but... She had some good putts out there. She had some good drives. Mm-hmm. There was there were some good moments for her for sure. So it's not a complete you know wash by any means. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. Just a you know not her best at the, at the wrong time. And and yeah, it's funny with the rankings because it does seem like, especially you know to, to use Tiger as an example, how how many times mm-hmm. he's been the highest ranked guy in this event and in the Ryder Cup I'm talking about, and he, and he doesn't perform up to it and. <laughs> And it's just such yeah. a small sample size, but you're right. It's almost like there's there's more pressure on those top ranked people, and then you have like a captain's pick, like Suzanne Pedersen, who's ranked 620th in the world, world. Right? And, and she's, she's the most clutch player. Exactly. On the course. It's like yeah. it's, it's literal. It's nonsense. Match right. play does not abide by any stroke play rules. That's right. The vagaries of match play, as we like to say. Uh, yes. 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 Um, Lexi <laughs> did give us the best moment at least the funniest moment of the event though obviously on saturday when she pushed that shot i think on the 14th hole and i guess they said like i didn't realize at the time it was her caddy who which makes sense screamed for like blood curdling scream and she just looked with this disgusted look jesus it's not that bad that was amazing that was uh that was hysterical so she gave us that at least yeah, I saw you jump right on Right that. on that. I, don't, I totally that. missed that. Like, I was out on the course on a different hole, and I come back, right. and you're just blowing up the <laughs> right. I'm so happy. So happy. Oh, yeah. I love stuff like that. That was that was fantastic. Um, another another woman on the U.S. team who caused a little bit of a stir. I want to get your opinion because I, I love her. I know you do, too. Danielle Kang. And yeah. it was with her pre-event comments. Maybe first tell everybody what she said and how she said it and maybe what kind of the reaction was 
to those comments? Oh man, I've been trying to like erase it from my mind. Um, <laughs> she she was on a podcast before the Solheim Cup, um, and she said like you know like it's about crushing souls. Right. Like that's the that's the fun of it. Um, and a lot of outlets jumped on that right. and took it like really literally. Right. Um, and there was definitely you know, trying to create, you know, an American villain kind right. of persona, uh, like a Patrick Reed type character. Right. Um, and the whole thing felt, I don't know, it felt kind of off to me um, just because, you know, I think as writers, like, we have to have senses of humor and, like, make sure that we know when other people are using their senses of humor as well. And I felt like, you know, she was just trying to, you know, just being funny, right. obviously, like, worded really badly, um, and I'm sure she wishes she could, like, take that back if she could, um, but the way that it got blown out of proportion just, like, really blew me away, because, like, I heard it, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, like, that's too bad, and moved on, and then, you know, I come back in the afternoon, and it's just, like, huge, you huge. know? And, and I think she was, like, definitely affected by it because she really loves this event and she loves her fans and she doesn't literally want to step on anyone's necks um, or, no, crush anyone's soul. Souls, right. That's, Same thing. Yeah, then, yeah. That's my, but that's my next point is that Suzanne Pedersen in one of her press conferences was asked about Danielle Chang's comments and said, like, yeah, I want to step on her neck. Yeah, and right, of course. Like, and nobody nobody did anything right. like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so that whole thing was really confusing to me personally. And maybe it's because I know Danielle and I know her sense of humor. Right. So, like, I wouldn't take that literally. But um, I, think it, it, I think it was too bad because Danielle is a huge source of positive energy, especially at the Solheim Cup. And I think that that kind of, you know, rightfully so like put her just like a little bit off balance and i think it's also too bad because like she's a great quote and like we need athletes to speak openly to us and like you know when things like this happen i think that they start to like feel like they can't just like say what's on their mind and because she tweeted some stuff about that afterwards yep. it was just like you know it was something along the lines of like if you guys keep twisting my words like i won't be as open and, like, to me, like, that's the nightmare. Because, like, you know as well as I do, like, not everybody is a super good interview. Right, right. <laughs> so not everyone is, like, really open about what they're thinking and they give really good insight into the game, people like Danielle do. So I don't know. It was it was really too bad. I, I, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and with everything you said, obviously, Danielle is a fantastic quote i mean she's she's such a free spirit you love it's not very filtered which is rare these days with these star athletes and and it's funny because you know if tiger says that or even suzanne peterson peterson like you're saying people are like oh yeah way to go they're they're such great competitors but for some reason she said it and people 
took it like she was a bad sport or so I don't even yeah. get it. I don't I mean isn't the whole point that you want to win and and win for your country and all this stuff? And you know, there've been other times in the past where the the US women I know, you know, when you know they paint their faces or something, people are like, "Oh, they don't take it seriously enough." Now, here's someone who's taking it seriously, and I'm not saying they didn't take it seriously, but now here's someone who's saying how seriously they take it, and then she gets criticized for it too. So it's like you can't win. And and then I know, I think when when I saw her tweeting back at people, and there were some writers even who jumped on her. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I just didn't think what she said, there was anything bad bad about it. I mean, she's a competitor and she spoke freely and she said what everybody else is thinking. So I, yeah. I, I, I that was too bad. I, I, I hope it didn't yeah, really like affect her play the rest of the way because I know people then got on her and you're right. They just, people are just looking for a U.S. villain, I guess, and they, mm-hmm. they jumped on her. Um, we've mentioned Julie Inkster in passing, but not specifically. I know, you know, obviously she's done a great job as captain. She was trying to win for a third straight time. She said this is her last time doing it. She couldn't quite get that three-peat. What, um, what, how did everybody feel about how she goes out as a captain? It's kind of too bad that she goes out with a loss and, you know, is there any chance maybe she uh, reconsiders that because she doesn't want to go out with a loss? Um, it really sounded like no way she's ever coming back as mm. captain. Um, she she was like, you know, laughing in the press room. She's like, I'm not even going to be on the phone call right. <laughs> about like who's going to be the next captain. Wow. Um, it's it's a lot to take on, and I'm sure that she is just exhausted from it. And um. You know, she she went out the way that, you know, Julie goes out. She was just like, you know what, I'm two and one, and if I was the baseball player, that would be, like, pretty darn good. Um, (laughs) Like, obviously, she wishes that she could have gone out on a three-peat, but um, I think more important than winning to her is, like, the effect that she's able to have on these young athletes' lives. And, like, they are so young. The American team's average age was, like, what, like, 25 or 26? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just instilling in them, you know, what it means to compete for your country, um, and to compete with, you know, integrity and fierceness and getting to know, like, she's been out on the tour for a really long time. And for someone like her to have really close relationships with a lot of these young players like Nellie Corda, like, that's really valuable for, you know, both sides. Like, Julie has so much experience, and she's able to, you know, give so much advice. And it was definitely a little bittersweet for her to go out with a loss. But I think the overwhelming positive energy from the Inkster captainship empire is <laughs> it's just, like, you know, it outweighs anything else. So right. she, was, she was in good spirits. Well, it's funny because, you know, obviously at Glen Eagles in 2014 is where Phil Mickelson famously just turned on Captain Tom Watson, who was sitting about 10 feet to his left. <laughs> and obviously we didn't see anything like that from this American team. They, they have the utmost yeah. respect um, and admiration and, and love for, for uh, Captain Inkster, who, um, you know, if you had to handicap it, who do you think w- will take over the reins maybe for the U.S. team uh, next time? A few of us were talking about it, and, like, we have no idea. It's, okay. I, it's really, really tough. Um, I I mean, I said I would love to see a Dottie Pepper captaincy mm. just to mix it up. But like, I think 
I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that, like, a completely, you know, she's a completely different personality from Julie. I think it could, could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I I don't really know who would be next. Um, have you thought about it at all? I have not. What about Michelle? Yeah. What about Michelle Wee, who was doing a TV? A very nice job by her on the Golf Channel as well. Is she way, way, way too young to ever get that gig? I, I know she's she's hasn't retired or anything. And she's not like done, right? Yeah, but you I know, know she's. You wonder if yeah. like, yeah, like you look at some of the other players right now. Like you wonder, like Christy Kerr. Christy like, Kerr, sure, right. I mean, two years from now is probably too soon, but maybe four years from now, mm-hmm. six years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. I really, I really don't have a good answer to that. Unfortunately, um, I'm very curious to see who they come up with. And I mean, this team is so like strong as a unit themselves. I don't think it'll be a terribly difficult situation to step into for whoever it is. Right. Uh, lastly, I do. Obviously, it wasn't all negative at all for the U.S. Um, there, I want to ask about the Corda sisters who played a tremendously together but also on their own they were kind of the the stars i mean the bright spots right for for this team yeah absolutely playing against the quarter sisters was like walking into a buzz saw this week <laughs> it was amazing um i mean they're so they're so incredible too just like in their presence you know they're both nearly six feet tall like you know if you ever saw them outside of a golf course like you would be like oh those people are athletes um and you just you put the two of them next to each other and they absolutely just bomb their drives um they were yeah they're really cool to watch and the fans really love them too obviously all the americans love them Mm -hmm. but even like the european fans were like cheering for them because i mean half the time they were beating their opponents by so much all you could really do is cheer like they didn't see the like 16th hole for (laughs) it was yeah it was uh it was very cool to see and i'm glad that julie put them together because she had said that she didn't want to put them together Mm -hmm. because while they are very similar in their games so i like broke it down statistically they literally are like the same golfer statistically Hmm. (laughs) it's very interesting Uh, so while they are are game wise they they are different in personality nelly's a little bit quieter um jessica's like a bit more outgoing um and julie i guess was like a little bit concerned that you know those personalities wouldn't work together in foursomes which you know foursomes is a terrifying proposition like i don't blame julie for not wanting to put like two different personalities in there but they asked her to do it and she did and it was like super successful i wish that she had just paired them together for everything the whole week i think it would have been really cool right well, anyway, yeah, they, they're obviously very young, very talented. Uh, whoever is the captain has a couple great building blocks in the Court of Sisters. Well, Kira, thank you for uh, for joining us. Glad you had a great week over there, and the weather wasn't too bad, I guess, other than that one day. I, You know, it's funny. I love Scotland. I know you think that's crazy. I cause I'm, that so hard I, I know, I know, but I, I just love it. I, I really do. Um now I do only go there in July usually, but uh, I was gonna say it's cold and there's a lot of cheese, like your least right. favorite thing. I, I love it though. I just man that 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 golden hour over there. A it lasts oh God, it lasts yeah. forever, and B it just that's when it actually warms up a little. And oh man, it's just it's just beautiful over there. So I love yeah. it. Um, I'm looking. Yeah, so I'm glad you had a good week over there as well. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, good good info, obviously, on, on the Solheim Cup. So anyway, have a uh, safe journey home. We'll see you in the office soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Alex. All right, see you, Keely. All right, so that was good stuff from Keely Levins from the Solheim Cup. Uh, all right, let's wrap up with some awards, as always, and some picks for next week, uh, for this week, sorry. We'll start with the best one-day story. That goes to Susan Hosang. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but she's the 100-year-old woman who participated in the Pro-Am at the KLM Open. I think it was because it was their 100th year or some, hmm. you know, tie thing. But anyway, she hit a decent shot. And then, but the thing that blew me away, she basically like bounced off the tee box. She was playing with Patrick Reed and Matthew Wallace. And Patrick Reed looked like he was having trouble keeping up with her. Like that's how fast this woman <laughs> was walking. She's 100 years old. I was like, damn, if I'm that spry when I'm, I'm not even that spry no, now. We're so both not. yeah, we're 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 done. She's a hundred. Um, she probably hit it farther than both of us. Probably too. That's that's what's sad too. That is sad. Decent swing. Uh, took up the game at seventy. So oh again, you know, imagine she took up something at seventy and she did it for thirty years. Wow. And and that's going, that's incredible. pretty cool. So good for her. Golf is a lifetime sport, no doubt about it. Good job by Susan there. Um, this week in celebrity golfers, wanted to mention Zion Williamson, although it, it's tough mentioning him just because we, we get you know upset that he's not on the Knicks. I know right. you're 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 a Nets slash yeah. Knicks guy, but still you would him being be here, we, you know, we'd, we'd be trying to get over to the Garden, see oh, yeah. see Zion play. Of course, he's on the New Orleans Pelicans. I I mean we're, we're happy. R.J. Barrett's gonna be good, I think, for the Knicks. But anyway, Zion Williamson was playing in some kind of golf outing, and he's a lefty. And he takes a swing with an iron, and the club head just snaps off and goes flying down the fairway because that's how strong this guy is. And all his, his coaches and players couldn't believe it. Someone else handed him another club. I don't know what they were thinking because he was obviously going to break that too. I don't. I'm not going to name the name of the equipment company because I don't. I don't. Mm. They might be sensitive about it, but uh, I think we both know who it was. But again, it had nothing to do with them. It's just this guy is a monster. Yeah. And he's just swinging a club. He probably chunked the turf and right. just snapped it off. It's crazy to see these NBA guys take a swing, yeah. especially if they haven't, you know, been playing right. for a while. I mean, there's a lot of NBA guys who are really good. Um, J.R. You know, Smith, yeah, Darren Williams, yep. Ray Allen. I mean, the list goes on and on. But you know, these tall yeah. guys who it's it looks so unnatural. It looks so unnatural. And, and his, I mean, his arms are so big. Mm-hmm. He so he like if. Brandel Chambly would see him and say, see, that's why you don't get in the gym for golf. <laughs> I mean, it just looks like he, you know, he can barely yeah. move. But, man, it uh, he's got some power. No doubt about it. Um, this week of pros are just like us. I want to give a shout-out to Kiradesh Afbarnrat for going shirtless on the range that's while right. practicing. Shirtless. The Ty the John Daly. Yeah, the Ty John Daly. And appropriate because John Daly was not afraid to take he off his shirt. Same thing. And uh, hit some golf balls. I guess it was a little hot wherever he was. I don't know. Maybe it was Thailand, which yeah. obviously can get a little hot. And right. uh, Kiradesh takes off his shirt, and you know it's what you'd expect. He's a big dude, and uh, you know, so funny. It's and it's awesome. In the wake of the whole the Brooks Kepka yes uh, right, body, body issue, issue and mm-hmm. how he went on this crazy diet even to even you know, Brooks Kepka doesn't need to go on a diet. I mean the guy is in great shape. Right. He went on. a crazy diet yeah, for lost that 20 pounds or whatever right this guy is just eh, just take off my shirt yeah, hit some balls still a world 50 golfer yeah you know oh yeah big as anything chain smoking cigarettes Ch- on that's the right that's right barn unbelievable love, love, love the barn rat um and finally our stat of the week 
and we almost mentioned this earlier, Victor Hovland, this is 64 on Sunday, which, by the way, j- just look at his, like you mentioned, Steve, his final rounds alone, his scoring average is off the chart. Yeah. But overall, this was his 17th consecutive round in the 60s. That tied the PGA Tour record held by Bob Estes. Oh, Estes. Estes. Friend of the uh, the brand. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, we should have had him on, actually, to talk about this. Yeah. Um, Bob Estes in 2001 went on a run with 17 straight. And Bob is um, he's funny on, on Twitter. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's interactive. Follow. Let's just say that. He heard about this, and he made a joke. The night before Hovland tied him, he said, "How's the wind looking tomorrow, or something?" You know, he he kind of like <laughs> he was rude. paying attention. He was to paying it. attention, yeah. and uh, basically said, "Like, oh, this is like the one thing I have." And now, I, although I I swear, and I because I tweeted at him, I thought that he had some other record or two, but he I don't know. He doesn't think he does. So he, he, he would like, probably know, you know better than me. His home club in Texas. Maybe Man. I thought it was something for like back nine score. So I don't know hmm. something. You know, but um, we'll have to look that up and yeah, we'll help try to Bob. find it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, but Hovland, man, Hovland is just red hot, and he's not going to break it this week because he is playing in the BMW PGA, right? Which is the European Tour's flagship event, and kind of lost in the shuffle of all the the PGA Tour changes and the the PGA moving and the players moving mm-hmm. was this event went from May That's where right. it was just kind of buried. Till now, and you're getting some of these big name guys, including guys who are playing on the PJ Tour, saying, "Hey, I'm going to go over and play in this event in England at, at Wentworth Golf Club." So, uh, Victor Hovland will not be breaking that record this week. He will probably the next time he plays. But he's he's at BMW, and I, I guess let's let's get into our our pick, Steve, uh, for this week. Um, you know, you got the Sanderson Farms Championship on the PJ Tour, and then again you have the BMW. PGA on a European tour. So you got two nice events to kind of look at with some big names. What what is there anything jumping out at you uh for let's start with the BMW, I guess. Yeah, a ton of big names here. You got Rory, John Rahm, Paul Casey, Justin Rose. Casey obviously just won a couple weeks ago. Stenson, Tony Finau's over there too. Um I like Matt Wallace a little down the board at twenty eight to one. Mm. He had a good finish last week, finished third. Um he you know, he's someone who always pops up at these regular European tour events, 28 to one. You're getting him at, you know, more of a value than Paul Casey's at 14 to one. Yeah. John Rahm's at 10 to one. Although John Rahm is, you know, certainly a threat to win. I, I like him. Rory's five and a half to one. So, you know, yeah. not, not great odds there, but uh, I'd probably go Wallace and consider Rahm if you're going to put, you know, some sizable weight on it. Um, Wait, I love that term. Love it. Got to yeah, put the weight on there. Multiple uh, units, <laughs> as the kids say. I mean, look, I mean, looking. Tony Finau's playing. Yeah. Um, you know, interesting. You don't. I. I can't really recall him <clears throat> playing many uh, European tour events. Right. Uh, Patrick yeah. Reed's all the way down at thirty-three to Patrick one. Patrick Reed thirty-three to one, yeah, he and he's won been on a the heater. Northern Trust. Yeah. Yeah. Shane Lowry, your your champion golfer of the year, mm-hmm. also thirty-three. First time he's uh, playing in Europe since the Open win. Wow. So. Um. Someone else jumped out at me. Well, you know, up at the top, even I don't know. To me, and I, I know he, I know after a great start to the year, he won at Torrey Pines. Uh, Justin Rose didn't have quite the season he hoped, but mm-hmm. he's still Justin Rose, and he's sixteen to one versus Rory at five and a half to one. Right, seems a little. I I don't know. I I that still kind of jumped out at me. And then, you know, Francesco Molinari, the defending champ, mm-hmm. twenty five to one. 
It's not bad. Yeah, he's but, got some uh, great history here. And, yeah, Rose, I mean, you know, almost triple the odds of Rory. I, mean, I, I think, you know, the sports books are trying to, uh, you know, put off their liability. Cause yeah. If, if they put him at 7 or 8 to 1, everyone sure, would, everyone's would take better. Rory. Yeah. So. Uh, another name just jumped out. Uh, Billy Horschel. 60 to 1, who I just laid a beat down on in fantasy football. <laughs> Woo! Get out! Billy Ho. Get out, Billy! See? And actually, I needed that win because our producer, Greg Gottfried, killed me in week one. Actually, he didn't kill me. I just had a terrible, terrible week. This week, I had a good week. I feel bad for Billy Ho. I had a New England's defense against <laughs> the Dolphins. I think they, they have 40 points. Yeah, they had like 40 points. Ugh. I mean, it's ridiculous. Poor Billy Ho. Just pick sixes left and right. Billy Ho probably doesn't even know. No, but he, whatever. I'm sure he was checking at the range yeah, you know, yeah. every hour, <laughs> making sure you know he's not getting beat down by you. And then, yeah. then he did. Yeah, you got him. Did you win in your matchup? I did. Okay. Yep. So you 2-0? Oh? No, 1-1-2. One oh, one you're the defending champ, so i got to watch out for you. I lost to Billy Horschel's old caddy, oh, okay. uh, Micah. Uh, Fugue yeah. uh, last week. So. And we had, and Chris Chris Powers was excited because he beat uh, Amanda Balionis this week. Right. Yeah. It's a great league. Big week for yeah. us. Yeah, big, big week. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, just wanted to toot, toot the old yeah, fantasy. Good luck to Billy game. Ho. Yeah, Bill. Off All the right. space alum. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's get into the Sanderson Farms Championship where Joaquin Neiman is the favorite mm-hmm. at 12 to 1 odds. So, getting some serious respect. Uh, what what do you think about that? A, I mean, I think he deserves it, but, you know, do you stay away? Do you go with him uh, considering the week he just had? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple trains of thought. It's A, it's so hard to win back-to-back weeks on the PGA Tour. You know, I don't, I don't care how weak this field is, but so often, you know, we see a guy in great form, he wins, and then he kind of doesn't do too much the next couple weeks. And rightfully so, you know, he's celebrating – there's a lot of media obligations. There's, you know, a lot that comes with getting your first PGA Tour win, especially. So, you know, Neiman is playing so well right now. So you could argue that, you know, why can't he win this week? He certainly could. But 12 to 1, I mean, it's less than half of what his odds were last week. Um, and there's so many other players a, a little down the board that I would favor instead of Neiman. Um, so, you know, I could see him doing well this week. I just wouldn't take 12 to 1. 12 to 1. Those are very low odds. Yeah. Um, interesting, not low odds. Cameron Champ, the defending champ who, you know, was all the rage a year ago mm-hmm. when he won here, and rightfully so. I mean, he had a great performance. Obviously, he's the, the longest hitter probably in PGA Tour history, but he also was rolling in 40-footers left and right that right. final day. He's down to 50 to 1. Obviously, wow. he's struggled um, this year. He's had some injuries. Um, you know, just hasn't really done much since that that win. But he's fifty to one. Um, I I'm kind of liking another guy though at fifty to one. Wyndham Clark. He mm-hmm. was on my sleepers list as well. I, I'd love for everyone on my sleepers list to win this year. <laughs> I'm going. I know. See, Chris Powers again. We mentioned him. He did a list a little different, um, which I liked. Guys were due to win. Right. And um, you know, I, I think I I think. Uh, who am I talking about here? <laughs> Sorry, Greg. <laughs> Wyndham Clark. Wyndham Clark. That's who. I think Wyndham Clark kind of falls into both categories. A, he's mm-hmm. still a sleeper, but B, he's also kind of due to win. I mean, you just he, he's an impressive golfer. He's one of the longest hitters out there. Also a great putter. Um, 50 to 1. Yeah, and you've seen him, you know, threaten to win the last, you know, the last two months of the season. He had exactly. a good, you know, finish in the, in the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs too. Yeah. You know, you keep going down the list here, and there's a lot of good value with some of these guys. I think, 
I, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, a guy like Tom Tom Hoagie, I mean, just finished runner up. Right. Uh, he's he's down what here. At ninety to one, that's nice. Ninety to one odds. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken him at like fifty, but ninety to one. Right. Um, yeah, because you know the form is good, and that's, I think that's hugely important in the fall season because you're not really sure these tournaments are switching dates. Right. So it's hard to say, you know, who's going to show up based on last year's performance, and you know, if you look at the Sanders, Sanderson Farms history, you know, you have some guys who won who are very low on the on the odds board. You have. Ryan Armour, um, Cody Gribble, Peter yep. Malnati. I was just going to say Peter Malnati. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, if you're looking in that 90 to 100 to 1 range, that's that's a good area to look because these are guys who are, you know, could break through. Right. Um, so, you know, like you're looking at, look at recent form, you know, to see who, who might break through this week. Yeah, I was actually going to mention Malnati because – you know, he's not a long hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Ryan Armour's not a long no, hitter. Both great putters and it, it, not long exactly. hitters Exactly. So so then the next guy who I was going to say, actually, is I kept scrolling down, a guy who is now back on tour this year, Zach Blair, after a really mm-hmm. nice year on Corn Ferry. Not a long hitter, but this this seems to be a course where a short hitter like him could have a, a chance. 140 to one odds. Mm. Uh, so, you know. Anyway, I, I, it's crazy. You go down here. There's a lot of Brendan Todd, the great comeback story, one seventy-five to one. Yeah, he's had a couple good weeks uh, to finish the Corn Ferry Tour uh, playoffs coming into the season. So, yeah, those are yeah. those are high odds. Definitely. Um, but let's see. All right, so Steve, if you're going with uh, since you're on a one-week winning streak now, yeah, let me ride this uh, heater. Who, who's week. your one pick that you you have winning? One pick. Uh, I do like Corey Connors. He kind of jumps okay. out at thirty-four to one. Not the greatest odds for Connors, but he had a really strong end of the season, and he checks a bunch of boxes stats-wise in this field. He's number one in strokes gained ball striking. He's number two strokes gained tee to green. These are the last fifty rounds, uh, courtesy of FantasyNational.com, mm. and uh, number two in strokes gained on approaches in this field. So, you know, he's an elite level ball striker yeah um it's the putting and the short game that could hold him back so you know we're saying that's probably key to playing well here maybe that's not a fit but i'm willing to say that the putter you know could light up this week and if it does you know he should be in contention he actually finished runner-up last year to cam champ so Mm. you know that almost 40 to 1 for someone who Almost won here last year. I forgot obviously, that. Yeah. Obviously likes this course. So. And obviously one of the great stories of last season, won as a Monday qualifier at Valero, got mm-hmm. into the Masters, ended up making it all the way to the Tour Championship. That's right. And you mentioned, I mean, he's, he's one of the best ball strikers out there, so it, it just comes down to making a few putts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going – I don't want to go with him again because I don't want to pick him every week, but I kind of want to pick him every week till he wins. Scotty Scheffler, I'm just riding this guy. I thought you were going to say Shelton, but both uh, tw- of those guys uh, tw- are 20, I, I think Scheffler was my official pick last week at 31. Yeah. He's now bumped up to 25 to 1, so he's getting a little more respect. Ah, but then, it. but th- but value-wise, I still I think I would still say Wyndham Clark um, mm-hmm. at 50. But um, anyway, Steve, good luck trying to win two weeks in a row. Trying to, I mean, trying to ride get, it out. Get that winning streak going. I mean – Betting, you know, PGA Tour wise, it's so tough. So, you know, I might not win another another bet this this whole year. Right. But luckily, we have seven experts in our betting column who you could kind of tell. So yeah, so everybody out there, check out our weekly betting column, which comes out on Wednesdays. Are we moving it up to Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday night, Wednesday. Tuesday night, Wednesday. So, okay, somewhere around there. Yeah. When Steve when Steve 
corrals all these guys because he, he's getting a lot of picks in here. By the way, Steve, I'm wearing a new vest. I'm like checking it? that out. Thanks. Yeah, Steve, by the way, is we call him Stevie Westside, a.k.a. Stevie Vestside. He's known for his collection of vests. Got a new one on. I, you know, I. You had a new one two weeks ago. Too. I know. Nice in front, Peter it, that's one. right. That's I right. Mean, in front of the master, I got to make sure it's every podcast day. You're <laughs> rolling out these new new vests in my grill. I love it's vest weather, man. It's oh, well, today's today's actually borderline not. It's no. in the seventies, but we're, it's we're, getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. So I know it's your favorite time of year. So it is. You get to rock all those vests. Yep. All right, Steve. Good times. Good good talk. Uh, thanks to uh, Keely for joining us as well. Thanks to Greg Gottfried, our producer. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And check back next week to see who our guest is. 